This is Luke Schoomaker, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the Epic Roster Watch Podcast, brought to you by RosterWatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap, and joining me today is a is a repeat guest on the show. We love having him on. His name is Pete Overzet. You can find him on Twitter at Peter Overzet. He's um, what's your job with Fantasy Life, Peter? Do you have a fancy title over there? You, you know, it's somewhat fancy. Uh, I'm the creative <laughs> lead over at Fantasy wow. Life, but in practicality, uh, I write the newsletter. I do some SiriusXM hosting for them. I make some shorts uh, and just uh, kind of have my hands in a bunch of different content pies. And then your YouTube is where you're streaming all of the best ball mania drafts that you've done so far. You're up to like, what'd you say, number 115 or so that you did earlier yeah. today. Where can they find that? Yep. Yeah. So that's over on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Peter Overzet. For some reason, I got it in my head that I would stream all 150 of my best ball mania drafts this summer. It was uh, daunting at first, but now that I'm only 35 out, you know, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel and it's been a pretty, pretty fun exercise. All things said. Well, all right. So I, so I have three questions about that with all this time mm-hmm. you're doing best ball stuff. Uh, have you, um, like so you you probably haven't been able to look at the dk week one salaries yet have you and 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 make all kinds of content about that <laughs> you know what yeah i haven't I, i've just started to think about the dfs season yeah. and it is interesting though with like how prominent and popular best ball has become i do even think that i'm going to be shifting a little bit of my in-season content do more check-ins on my best ball lineups you know people mm-hmm. are more invested in them because they've watched me stream them all so yeah i mean i still love dfs but man best ball is definitely where my heart's at these days yeah man it's 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 been a it's been a hell of fun it's just it's been a hell of a ride and a hell of a lot of fun but i just even me somebody who just loves it so much dude i never you know, back when I was doing best ball tens or you know, MFL tens and stuff, I never foresaw this happening. It's just, I think it's the underdog platform that's just so easy to use and it kind of makes it real, real, real simple to keep up with everything. And it's just, it's, it's been, it's been an amazing ride to kind of see this best ball wave. Okay. So my second question about it, um, have you gotten your mind around redraft yet and the, how different the ADPs are in redraft and, you know, a, a little bit of how the strategy is a little bit different, especially with, you know, your kind of roster fillers as you get um, as you get towards the end of these drafts? Yeah, we've just started over on my YouTube channel, uh, Ship Chasing, that I do with Pat Corrine and Ben Gratch. We've started to draft some of our high-stakes managed league teams, and it is definitely kind of different. You know, some of those small tweaks, you know, with best ball, roster construction is so important, and you're basically building out, like, resiliency within your team to withstand the chaos of 17 weeks and you can't touch your lineup, but with managed league, you know, reorienting to, I think even being more aggressive because you have that waiver wire safety net, you know, um, and at positions too, where there's, you know, replaceable talent, I think, you know, running back twos or even middle quarterbacks. It's like, I'd rather take a huge swing on a quarterback, take Anthony Richardson. If you cut him, there's Derek cars available on the waiver wire every single year. Same with running back twos. take a big Rashad Penny, you know, swing. If he gets, hurt well guess what they're going to be able to find backup running backs on the waiver so making some of those those small tweaks although a lot of the general principles still apply 
Okay, and, and the third question I was going to ask you is actually something that I've written down for our show sheet, so we'll get to that in one second. But before we get to that, I want to talk about some of these uh, players in training camp that are either getting hype one way or the other. Um, you know, we get all these training camp clips, and it seems like every year more and more people, you know, we, there's people like us that have been going to um, going to training camps, you know, every year and, and doing our best to, you know, provide content from these camps and stuff like that. But, like, now it's like it feels like, all the reporters are out there. Everybody's having there's clips that you see every day from one on ones. People are beginning to take this into real consideration whenever these ADPs are starting to shift and all the normies are getting back into the pool here to to get the redraft ADPs kind of steamed up. Well, I, I just wanted to ask you, you know, what is let's just talk about guys who've gotten overblown who've gotten unwarranted training camp hype. And we'll talk about it at each fantasy position, each skill position, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. And what I mean by overblown hype is that they've – it's pretty self-explanatory, right? Guys who guys who you think are might be getting hyped up right now just because of the way they look in clips, because of narratives that you might not think are true. Uh, is there any – are there any – you know, any caution flags that you would put up about these guys. So let's start about, let's start with quarterback who comes to mind is maybe falling into that bucket for you. Yeah. It was funny because I actually, initially when I was thinking about quarterback, I was like, I can't really think of anyone. And then I did pull up the ADP just to see like the ADP changes over the past week or two. And there's been some small changes, you know, Kyler is up a little bit. Um, Matthew Stafford is up a little bit, but we haven't seen like a meteoric rise. I do envision one coming though. I do think, I tend to see people getting more and more excited about Anthony Richardson <laughs> well, in his. That, oh, all right. oh, go ahead. Well, no, I'm just saying, like, I would if if I had answered that, that would be the one that, and I'm and I'm not sure that it's unwarranted, but if if, if it feels like the hype's getting bigger and bigger with these days that they continue to say that he's stacking stacking. And it, it's like we already have a proof of concept of the market getting really drunk with Anthony Richardson because when Best Ball Mania opened and even in some of these pre-draft contests, like he rocketed up to the seventh round, like he was going where Jalen Hurts and Trey Lance were last year, and then it seemed like everyone was like, wait, let's pump the brakes. There's some you know red flags on his profile. And he settled in around pick 100. That said, he feels to me like the guy, if you see this guy tuck and run a 50 yard touchdown in preseason, like his ADP is just jumping two rounds, like (laughs) no questions asked. So I'm getting out ahead of this one. It hasn't happened yet. His price has been fairly palatable, but the Anthony Richardson bump is coming. All right. That's good. That's, that's good. All right. What about running back? Yeah, running back has been interesting as far as, you know, what's actually real and what's not. I think the one thing I keep talking about, and it's almost like inverse hype or, you know, a black space hype, and that is basically the specter of these free agents. There's so many backfields where the ADPs are lower than where I think they should be because everyone's worried about Dalvin Cook. Everyone's mm-hmm. worried about Zeke Elliott. And so I look at the Miami Dolphins running backs, all three of them, the rookie A-Chain, Mostert Wilson, they all seem a round or two cheap relative to once Dalvin Cook's removed from the picture, they would jump up. Same thing for Brees Hall. I find Brees Hall too cheap because of the specter of Dalvin Cook. And so Dalvin Cook is pushing down all of these ADPs. Dalvin Cook can only end up in one spot, you know, and he's probably only going to impact one specific player, all things considered. So I think the market is being a little too fearful in those spots. Like you're drafting a $25 best ball team. Like if you're getting a value on this guy, like if you remove Dalvin Cook from the situation and Brees Hall's injury stuff remains on a good timeline, he's going to be a mid second round pick. And you can often get him at the late third right now. Same with guys like Jeff Wilson. Like if Dalvin Cook's not there, Jeff Wilson should be like a 12th, 13th round pick. And right now he goes in the 15th, 16th. So I think people are being a little too trepidatious with the Dalvin Cook stuff. 
I, I just got a, I got a, um, I got an email from Josh Barden over at Odds PR. You know, I'm on the, I guess I'm on the media list that they send out. It's for sportsbetting.ag, and they put out just earlier today Dalvin Cook and Zeke Elliott's next team odds mm. that people can bet on. And so for Dalvin Cook right now, it's um, Miami Dolphins are the top one right now at two to three, or, or at, at, yeah, at at two two and two to three, which is minus one fifty. Uh, the Jets right now are three to two, which is plus one fifty, and then they have the Cowboys at six to one. The Patriots, the Patriots now seven to one. Bills eight to one. Then after that, you get down to all these long shot twenty twenty five to ones. Ravens, Bears, stuff stuff like this. Ezekiel Elliott right now. The New York Jets are actually three to two, so what's plus one fifty. Um, the Patriots are two to one. The oh, I'm, I'm, so the Jets are th- are three to two. The Patriots are two to one. Dolphins three to one. Cowboys five to one. And after that, you get into all the long shot stuff. So it looks like the it's the Jets and the Dolphins and to a, more, a higher degree with Zeke, the Patriots. Do, is there anything that enters your mind about Ramondre Stevenson and a possible Zeke Elliott? Do you think that his ADP could be getting depressed because of this this black hole that you talk about with the free agent running backs? The only spot, the only guy that would kind of worry me for Ramondre would honestly be like a Leonard Fournette because of his pass catching. I think what makes Ramondre so exciting is that you're going to get the explosive plays and the pass catching work. If you have someone eating into that, that worries me. If Zeke comes and you just have an early two down plotter that's stealing some of that low value work, that doesn't worry me. I mean, Ramondre already dusted Damian Harris, and I think Damian Harris is far better than Ezekiel Elliott. So I'm not too concerned there. And I think, you know, with the Dalvin cook stuff, I do think that everything we've seen is he wants more money than any team is willing to give him. It seems like there is like both the dolphins and the jets are like, we are not paying you anywhere close to what you want. So unless one of those teams gets put in the corner because of an injury situation, similar to what just happened with the saints, you know, the saints lose, Eno Benjamin, which doesn't seem like much, but they want to depth that they go throw some pennies at Kareem hunt. He snap accepts because he's like, I don't want to wait for a (laughs) Zeke or a Dalvin cook to go here. I'll just take the one job I can get. I think it's going to take an injury for Dalvin cook to find a home because no one wants to pay him what he wants. Okay, what about wide receiver? I mean, clear. I feel like this is the one that has the most candidates for guys that you might think are, are getting a little bit too overhyped. So I'm going to do, I'll, I'll do two, like one who's actually jumped a ton. And I was actually taking some stabs on him, but like the Justin Ross uh, hype out of Chiefs yeah. camp is now like kind of out of control for a guy who could still be on the roster bubble. We were doing a, a FFPC managed draft the other day and he went in the 12th round of that. I was like, he holy did? cow. Wow. Yeah. He's up almost a round and a half now on underdog over the past week. And I see him going ahead of Richie James. And like, again, I love the talent profile of Ross, but I mean, Richie James is probably just going to be on the field right out of the gate in three wide receiver sets. And Justin Ross might not even make the team. So some of that is, uh, is a little crazy to me. And then the other one, the Calvin Ridley stuff, and no one likes bagging on Calvin Ridley. So I always have to be the bad guy here, but him moving up around because of one training camp highlight of him looking good in shorts is like certifiably crazy because I already found his price a little rich. This is a guy who's played five games in two years and he's going at the three, four turn. And now we're going to draft him at the two, three turn because he looked good in warmups. I think the market is not factoring in the downside risk with Ridley right now. Davis was on the podcast last week, Davis Maddock. And he's, so he had the, he had, he had the same exact take as you with Ramondre. He said, he's worried about Fournette. 
But he had mm. the exact opposite take about Ridley. He says, it's I just know. about training camp highlights, and I don't care. He looks awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, you know, he, I'm, he, I'm all in. <laughs> well, the reason I'm scarred, right, is because I, I am the guy who started chasing Kyle Pitts up draft boards last year because of preseason highlights. And I liked him, and then he had that – preseason touchdown where he dusted the the defensive back for a 50-yard touchdown. I started taking him in the second round of drafts. Nothing had materially changed his usage, the overall scenario, but because I got excited, I chased him up the board. And it's a recipe for disaster when you aren't baking in the downside risk. And it's like, we are basically asking Calvin Ridley to pretend like he never missed football. Like if he played last year, if he'd just been playing and crushing, he'd probably be like a mid to late second round pick. And that's where we're going to draft him now, except there's so much more added risk. And he has legit competition. Evan Ingram, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, these two running backs, there are a lot of good players in this offense. And I think the market is too over-enthusiastic at these prices. You want to win your fantasy draft? No, I mean, like, really. Do you really, really, really want to win your fantasy draft? Because you can win your fantasy draft with the RosterWatch Ultimate Draft Cheat Sheet, available at rosterwatch.com. It's the revolutionary cheat sheet to change fantasy football forever, and it's the only tool you'll need this draft season. You've heard Roster Watch live on Sirius XM Radio here on the podcasts from all the NFL training camps. Now all you have to do is follow the three simple rules at the top of the sheet of paper using the Roster Watch cheat sheet. That's it. Three rules. An extra quality draft is guaranteed if you follow the three simple rules. Guys, it couldn't be easier. The Roster Watch Ultimate Draft Cheat Sheet. You can't afford to draft without it. It's available now and only at rosterwatch.com. We we have a question in the chat. Maybe if you could just if you could just give a quick thought on this. I know it's, it, it isn't on the show sheet. We'll just we'll just skip over one of these deals. Are you worried about Michael Thomas? This is overweight lover. Are, are you worried about Michael Thomas taking away from Chris Olave's production this year? No, I don't think so. And I mean, I'm trying to be unbiased because I'm not a Michael Thomas guy, but even if we get bounce back Michael Thomas returning to form, like there's plenty of room in this offense for Michael Thomas to thrive underneath, kind of get back to what he was doing with Drew Brees, some of those quick hitters, slant boy, yes. But Chris Olave is a dominant player. He's used all over the field. I think Michael Thomas can be a compliment to him in a way that actually benefits Alave, right? Taking attention off of him. I kind of feel similar with the DeAndre Hopkins and Traylon Burks. Some people were upset because it's like, well, now we don't get a 30% target share from Traylon Burks. I'm like, yeah, but he's going to have less double teams. He's going to be more efficient. The offense is going to be better with Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. So to me, I see like the rising tide lifts all boats. If Michael Thomas is great, I think that's going to help the whole offense and help Olave. Okay, so let's talk about the third thing I was going to ask you about, about your best ball stuff. Let's just go quickly through it, if you don't mind. You don't have to say the amount of these guys that you got, but um, I, just, I would just – you've done 115 best ball mania drafts. I would just like to hear what your expo- like what your highest exposures are, like of guys who yeah. it, it feels like the, you're really in on and sort of how you feel about that whenever, now that you kind of look back. Yeah, no, I I have no problem saying my exact percentages. When I stream on my drafts, I have this overlay tool that shows my exact exposure. So I'm just, I'm naked in front of everyone (laughs) while I'm drafting. (laughs) So um, what, let's see, we can start, you know, the ones, the quarterback ones honestly feel the the most gross, my highest drafted quarterback. And sometimes when I say this out loud, I'm like, is that real? I have 16% Sam Howell. I am double the field on Sam Howell. Part of that is because I draft a lot of late, 
three quarterback team. Uh-huh. Sam Howell was free. Um, I do get excited about his profile. I thought he was really good last year when he stepped in. I'm confident that he's going to start this year and be better than Jacoby Brissett. I love the weapons there. Dotson, Curtis Samuel, this new look offense with the enemy. I'm getting hyped on Gibson and, and Robinson. So I just love how everything's setting up here. That said, this is still an unproven commodity that I'm really oh, planting yeah. my flag on. So I have a little nervousness about the Sam Howell explosion. For sure. And, and and the thing about that, whenever you know, whenever we were talking, you know, best ball a lot more heavily before we kind of shifted gears to redraft, was uh, people would ask me why, like I had a bunch of CJ Stroud, and people were asking why, and I'm like, well, just like I can get to the end of these drafts whenever I have a whenever I need a third quarterback, and I can like I can get a stack, like I can get him and Mechie or him and Tank Dell, or you know, it's just like it, it feels like things could fall together like that with some of the Commanders pieces too. For sure. My uh, my top uh, drafted running back is Brees Hall. I'm at 18.3%. I've drafted him all over the spectrum. You know, before the Dalvin Cook stuff, I was drafting him in the early third. I started to get some deals on him all the way in the like early to mid fourth round. And a lot of times when I enter that flat portion of the mid third round, I'm looking at these guys. I'm like, I'm not pulling the trigger on Calvin Ridley. Mark Andrews just came off the board. Yeah, I like Debo Samuel, but he's going to be there in a few picks. And I'm like, Brees Hall represents the best cost-adjusted upside of a guy who could deliver a top-five running back season. I think he was on the way to doing that last year before he got hurt. He's explosive. He catches passes. He checks basically every box. Now he's getting a quarterback upgrade. I'm not worried about anything behind him. Even if Dalvin Cook comes, I don't think it changes the thesis for Brees Hall down the stretch. I'm just really excited about him and the fact that you can get him in the third round. What about wide receiver? Wide receiver, I have two rookies at the top. I've drafted 19% Jackson Smith and Jigba and 17% Quentin Johnston. A lot of people on Twitter like to argue about uh, Smith and Jigba versus Tyler Lockett. I like both. I have 16.5% Tyler Lockett as well. My bet is against DK Metcalf because DK Metcalf's ADP has not really budged from the early third round, he was going there before they drafted JSN in like pre-draft contests, like the big yeah, board. That's a good I point. Love, yeah. Yeah. I, I love true. the price on Lockett and JSN. And I just do not think the market is reacting enough to what JSN is going to do for this offense down the stretch. Could, could DK Metcalf run hot and score 15 touchdowns? Sure. He's, he's capable of doing that, but man, I like playing the Seahawks through the cheaper pieces. What about, and then what about tight end? Tight end, I'm a little bit more smoothed out, but uh, my four top guys here definitely represent my four favorite clicks at tight end. So it's kind of nice that my my money backs that up. But Pat Fryermuth at 14%, Dolchich at 14%, Sam Laporta at 14%. So those guys are all tied. And then mm-hmm. Kyle Pitts, we're going back on it uh, at 12% there. Do you do you generally like to go with with with? I I know it's different for each draft, but if you just had to guess, looking back at all these, how many how often do you just think through your collective memory do do you go three three tight end? I've been doing it way more this year, um, partly because I think there's just a plethora of late round options. I mean, all the guys I listed are a little bit more expensive. Laporta, the cheapest of those guys, goes in the 14, 15. But then if I scroll down, you know, I take Trey McBride, Mike Gesicki, Michael Mayer. I do a lot of Noah Fant because I have a bunch of Geno Smith and, and Seattle stacks. And so there's just so many good pieces, whether you're looking for rookie breakouts. Now we see Luke Musgrave, you know, coming on. If you're just looking to correlate, they're starting pieces like a guy like Jake Ferguson on the Cowboys starting tight end, basically free in all of these drafts. And one thing that I used to be very conscious of like, okay, I spent a fifth round pick on George Kittle. That means I only need to do two tight ends. 
I'm comfortable going to three tight ends, even with a George Kittle or a Kyle Pitts. If I think the best player at the end of the draft is the tight end, and when I filter wide receivers tight ends in the 18th round, I think the tight ends project straight up for more points than some of those wide receivers. So I've been way more open to three tight end builds, even if I already spend an early pick on one. Is, is that the same with is is that the same with with you and quarterback? Like if you get a Lamar Jackson or something early, like is is that the same? Because it feels like as you get towards the end, there might not be the kind of value at quarterback that you could maybe feel like that you you could get at tight end. Yeah, I do it a little bit less, um, but I do do a lot of late three quarterback builds. And one thing, you know, the the kind of the push pull is this element, right? We all want an elite quarterback. This year's Jalen Hurts, the guy that can drop forty, that can separate from everyone else. Because if you're in these playoff pods, you're trying to finish first out of sixteen in your week fifteen grouping to advance to the semis. Having that guy who goes for 40 and everyone else's quarterback is going for 20 to 25, that's a huge advantage. Now, that's that's a you know a feather in the cap of taking two t- two quarterbacks and getting an elite one. But one benefit of getting the three late ones is if you avoid the week where someone drops 40, you are getting access to three different stacks. And what's really helpful about that is the way the underdog playoff gauntlet works is the players who perform the best in the regular season week 15 and 16 all end up on the same finals teams. So last year, Jalen Hurts was on like 30, 40% of the finals teams. He of course then didn't end up playing, but there's this like natural selection bias. And then you show up to the finals and you're like, well, you and I have the same quarterback and now we're throwing that spot out and we're competing elsewhere. But what if I had a third quarterback? What if I have a Sam Howell, the Jahan Dotson stack, They did nothing in week 15 and 16, but I show up to the finals and now I have a unique stack similar to kind of how we think about DFS. Like you don't want to play 40% owned Jalen Hurts in a tournament if you could get, you know, a 5% stack that maybe has similar upside. And so that's one reason I gravitate to the three quarterback builds is because those unique stacks, I think will come in very helpful down the stretch. You, you, you talked a lot about Brees Hall. He's your highest exposure. I was going to ask you to kind of stack up Brees Hall, Travis Etienne, Jameer Gibbs, Joe Mixon. It feels like you're probably just going to have Brees Hall at the very you, – you might not even consider him in that tier. Do you even consider him in that tier? I, I think I think it's close. I do have him a tier above Gibbs and ETN, but those are two guys that I've been going out of my way to boost my exposures on lately. Specifically, Gibbs, I've been getting a little more excited about ETN. You know, one thing that's been kind of nice in my draft rooms is my stream draft rooms are so wide receiver thirsty that I'm often able to get these guys at really good deals. So I have a lot of late fourth round, early fifth round Travis ETN. You know, it's the flip side to having all my favorite wide receivers snipe is I can get good yeah. deals on these guys, but I I really like Gibbs and ETN. Mixon, I struggle with. I've gotten some cheap shares of him as well, but I would put him in a tier below those guys just because I am a little bit worried um, about just how that offense could t- transpire down the stretch. I know they like Travion Williams a lot. They draft Chase Brown, who I think could eat into his role. So I know people think we're getting bell cow Joe Mixon, and maybe we do out of the start, but I'm not as convinced he's going to surge down the stretch in the way I think a guy like Jameer Gibbs could. I'm a little bit concerned that he's having to go to trial for a criminal proceeding yeah, on, on Monday. That too. Um, okay. And then, you know, and then the, the look, the main thing I wanted to get from you is JSN versus Addison. It feels like you mm-hmm. like JSN better. Yeah, I do. I mean, JSN, I think 
it, it is kind of confusing to me and not confusing based on his ADP, right? Because he goes in the fifth round of a lot of drafts. Last year, Garrett Wilson was one of the best prospects we had going in the class and he went in the 12th round. So I understand that people have sticker shock, but JSN yeah. is in just elite, elite company as a prospect. And I think that one injury that kind of derailed, you know, his, was it his, his sophomore his seat- year there? Well, no, it was it, his final season that he came back was the injury that got derailed. Yes. And I just think that that has kind of thrown people off the scent of the fact that this guy was like uh, outproducing Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, who have now gone on to be such incredible prospects. And I'm just such a believer in these super, super talented guys. I don't care about the situation as much. They come in and they earn targets. I mean, Garrett Wilson had the worst quarterback play imaginable last year and still was a league winner based on where he's going. And I like this spot for, for, uh, for JSN. I think Gino is going to have another good year. I like this offense. And so I want to bet on these guys who I think are so good. And we think back to all the things we let distract us. You know, Jamar Chase was this generational prospect. And because he said the ball was different in the NFL, he dropped around in drafts heading into his rookie year. It did have the white It's like, Get out of here. JSN is an elite prospect, and I want him on my teams down the stretch. Cool. All right. So, again, he's Pete Overzet. You can find him on Twitter, at Peter Overzet. You can search. Is it Pete Overzet on YouTube or Peter? Peter. Yeah, we got the R in there on YouTube. Okay. So, Pete Peter Overzet on YouTube. If you if you like this, trust me, you can find a lot, lot, lot more of him talking about best ball and things like this over on his YouTube. Make sure you also subscribe to the Fantasy Life newsletter download the fantasy life app i've like like i i during the sh- during the show here i've looked down twice to see if these were breaking news notifications or minor news notifications man they send you everything really 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 fast um it's a it's a really useful tool especially once the season starts in season long leagues to help you with first come first serve um uh free agent acquisition stuff so uh, quickly, just the last question here, the final two questions that everybody cares most about, Pete. One player that's guaranteed to bust at his current ADP and one, one player that's, that's is guaranteed that you're just put your, you put your sticker on it, you put, you put your stamp on it, you say this is a Pete Overzet guarantee. So who's the player that's, that's bound to smash this year? And, and you're guaranteeing it here live on air. All right, I am guaranteeing it. I will. I'll, I'll go back to the well, the JSN well. Um, you know, the comp I always use is like the year Amon Ross St. Brown was a rookie. He did nothing for the first 13, 14 weeks of the season and then just scorched the earth down the stretch. One, Chess Liam, a million dollars in Best Ball Mania 2. If you would have known what he did down the stretch, people would have drafted that guy in the second or third round. Just give me those 30-point weeks when it matters the most in the fantasy playoffs. He was free that year. JSN, yes, you're paying a fifth, sixth round price tag for him i think you're going to get that kind of production down the stretch jsn will not bust he's going to be a league winner even at these inflated prices i love that you love jsn so much man it's cool um all right and then what about the one now the one who's guaranteed stamp it on his side this is a bust get him the hell out of here ship him off to a coconut island somewhere you want nothing to do with it well i I mentioned like the spiciest one and no one wants to hear it. Calvin Ridley. I don't know if I can get any hotter than that. I do think he is going to disappoint at his ADP, the low hanging fruit. Like I just do not get Adam Thielen's ADP. He was in like the best possible situation last year with Justin Jefferson across from him, his usage, his efficiency, everything cratered. Now he has um, a worse quarterback, a worse situation, a team that's going to want to run the ball. And people are still drafting this guy in the 12th, 13th round. And why? Because he's good in the red zone. Well, how many red zone trips are the Panthers going to have? Um, that feels like uh, an easy, low hanging fruit one, but I, I haven't clicked Adam Thielen's name once all drafting season. <laughs> <laughs> 